0: Merry Christmas, and welcome to a festive edition of the British Sitcom History Podcast. I'm Gareth, and with me today, as always, is Alan... Hello, ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. This is funny because we are recording this in the middle of November. This is the first time I've had to pretend to enjoy Christmas this year, but ho, oh, ho, ho. That's quite late for a Christmas special recording. <laughs> today, Yeah, yeah, well, we missed the deadline for the Hootenanny. So today we are going to be sharing with you um, a festive, chestnut roasting, cracker pulling, sleigh bell ringing episode of Rising Damp. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely what it, this is not actually. <laughs> this is,
1: no, well, we're, this course, is the a rising damp miserable Christmas we're going to have. <laughs> As
0: you would expect from from Rigsby and the crew, uh, it is not very festive, but it is Christmas and mm-hmm. that's good enough for us. So we we're actually just for those who are watching along, we we're looking at series 2 episode 8 of Rising Damp, it's called For the Man Who Has Everything. And it's their Christmas special of 1975. Seventy-five, yeah. So this yeah. this came immediately after series
1: two, and I mean immediately afterwards. It was actually on the twenty-first of December, which was two days after the last episode of the series went out.
0: So I said it was episode eight, and obviously that's how it's listed. But I I, I didn't realise it was you know in, in a different place in the schedules. Well, that's it. We talk about this before, haven't we? Uh, the the Christmas special is it? Sometimes
1: it is just tacked onto the end of the series because it's December. Uh, sometimes mm. it's a totally separate thing that's been recorded separately. Sometimes they'll do a Christmas special in a year where they haven't done a series just to kind of keep people yeah. interested. In this case, this is yeah very much appended to series two and I assume was f- all done as one filming block. And then the schedules just change around Christmas so they just fit it in where they can. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they, and this is very much, uh, in terms of the narrative of what's going on with Rising Damp, this is just another episode that happens to be set at Christmas. Uh, so, Frances de la Tour, uh, Miss Jones isn't in it because at this stage in the series she'd left.
0: Yeah, I remember you talking about this when we, go, for those who are not aware, our listeners, we have actually covered Rising Damp before, and you can find that on our YouTube page or scroll down on your podcast. So we're not going to go into every single character and actor in quite the same detail as we often do, because we've already done that. Mm. But, yes, you're right. So there's no Frances De La Tour here. And I remember you talking about this last time, that she was away doing a play or something. She would, she had a better offer, basically.
1: Yeah. And so she's in the first four episodes of this series, I think. And then yeah. they contrive a way for her to leave. And then she comes back the next series.
0: But her character is replaced by, uh, by Brenda, who's an, a new tenant, who's essentially filling a similar role to Miss Jones.
1: Yeah, she's in a few episodes. And um, Alan, played by Richard Beckinsale, he's after her. Uh, and she's not against the idea, uh,
0: but I, was I say think... after, as you, as you not caught her. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know what it's like in the seventies. You never, you never, oh, you never I really was... get what you want out of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there was a bit there's the whole kind of four episode arc going on here with Brenda because she comes in and they have to convince uh, Rigsby to give her the room and and all this sort of stuff. So there's there's a whole kind of bit yeah. of backstory here. This plays into that straight away. It's kind of assumed that we know what's going on with these characters. But yeah, she's a tenant. Yeah. So, so a I,
0: room. having not seen those previous episodes, I was like, I, I, my, my impression was that Alan and Brenda were having a thing. But obviously Rigsby was uh, completely oblivious to that. So
1: they are having a thing, but that's why when she just turns up randomly, he thinks, oh, she's just come home. He, he doesn't go, oh, why have you brought a girl back? He's like, oh, it's Brenda." Yeah. So as we get into this, this is very much a, a, a miserable Christmas with, uh, with Rigsby. And yeah. I, I, th- I think we should use the opportunity of doing a Christmas special to talk about Christmas. Of course. Again, in terms of sitcom Christmas special, sometimes it's just a special that goes out at Christmas. It's not Christmas-themed. I'm not interested in any of that. I want a Christmas-themed special or Go Home. We want mistletoe. Yeah. We want crackers. <laughs> so what you usually get is, oh, look, everyone's coming together and we're having a happy Christmas despite all our you know, usual um, conflicts. We have talked about an Only Fools and Horse Christmas special where Del Boy's dad turns up and that, that becomes a whole yes. thing. But what we get here even more so, is anti-Christmas. <laughs> because the obvious thing yeah. to do here is set up Rigsby's on his own and he's miserable and he's being his Rigsby self. And then everyone else turns up and at the end, everyone is like, hey, you know what, we're all here. Let's all get round the dinner table and have a nice friendly Christmas. <laughs> but we don't get that. Yeah, basically, all, none alert. of them are
0: supposed to be there. They all had better plans. And for one reason or another, all their better plans have been cancelled. And so they all end up back. They all end up back at the slum. Yes. But there's still a crucial difference in that all the others have got someone. <laughs> like yeah. Brenda and Alan are together. Phillips brought his girlfriend. And it's just Rigsby who is ultimately as ever alone.
1: <laughs> so we get in the opening scene. Rigsby alone, and so we have Vienna
0: the cat, his pet cat, who he talks Oh, yeah, of course. Talks of course, never alone. He's always got Vienna.
1: <laughs> but that gives him a great opportunity to monologue, which is uh, very useful for I do like it I, No, I,
0: I do. I, I sort of noticed this as I was watching it, but it's it's something that Rising Damp does well. Because he's got that cat, it, it does give him license to mm. soliloquize, if that's not too grand a word.
1: Something also does in Fall and Rise of Original Perrin, by the way, talks to the cat there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, yeah. Very, uh, same thing. Uh, Yeah, so Rigsby he understands that he's not popular, right? And and he knows why. He he's not under any illusions here as to oh my god, why don't people like me? He knows he's a miserable git (laughs) and everybody hates him. And does he care? I think he would. He kind of likes the idea of having you know a few friends around at Christmas, but not enough to pull the effort. He doesn't
0: like the idea enough to change. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And so. When he has a chance at some human contact, where
0: because the milkman comes knocking at the door, he hides in the larder. <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't want to give him his Christmas box. He doesn't want to pay him a shilling. So, uh, so he hides rather than talk to someone on Christmas Day.
1: Let me ask you about this, right? You're a bit older than me.
0: Uh, the old Christmas tipping.
1: So basically service mm. trade tradesmen, postmen, milkmen, the bin men. You give them a little something at Christmas, right? I, 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 mean, this has not been a thing in my life. I mean, it feels no, like no. Well, I remember
0: part. it being a thing when I was a kid. I remember mum, you know, giving money to the the, the milkman or whatever. But mm. I, I think part of the problem now is I, I don't have a milkman. I haven't had a milkman no. since the eighties, and like I don't know who my postman is. No. I suppose I could, I could tip the like the um, every delivery driver. But well, I left your tip, mate. It's in next door's recycling bin. <laughs> here's a photograph of it <laughs> social commentary from gareth <laughs> a bit of social commentary yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to give the impression that i'm, I'm as tight as rigsby I'm, like, I'm not hiding from the postman i just i just never see them your letters might be delivered by a robot <laughs> if that's possible for all i know they could be like those little co-op cars that go around the uh, around the estate but I do think it's a different attitude. But, but I've got a friend who's a, a postman. He's in his 50s. He's been a postman for years. And, you know, he'll, he'll bemoan the fact that it's not like it used to be. It's not like mm. you've got the same community spirit. And I think, I think that's true. I think a postman used to be part of the community. A milkman was mm. part of the community, knocked on doors, knew everybody. And they've, they've got quotas now, mate. They've got quotas to mm. fill. Can't start around. Can't hang about. We saw this. Was it in one of the Till Death is Due films, I think,
1: where the milkman... It was played by Roy Hood, but the, the milkman comes round and he was taking bets on the round as well. Yeah, yeah, he was the bookie <laughs> had as well. He all sorts of side hustles I like that. on, yeah.
0: No, I think, in all seriousness, the nature of the service industries has mm. changed completely. Yeah, and it's, yeah. you know, it, you haven't got that personal service in quite the same way anymore. I've been watching
1: Keeping Up Appearances recently spoiler oh, alert interesting. for what we're doing. Next series.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so uh, but in that like that's a regular gag that the milkman or and or the postman comes around and they're like terrified that she's gonna come out oh, they and hate talk her. To them. Yeah. Which I'm not gonna get into we'll get into this in our episode, but yeah just sure. just put the milk down and walk away. You don't have to be polite to them. <laughs> yes. Like why are you being so yes. All yeah, well, let's not get like, into neighbours. I've so got be, so much yeah. to say about this. Let's <laughs> <Yeah>, wait. <work. right. laughs> but yeah, it was like that. It, that was the nineties. But that was very much like this is something people can watch and relate to. The postman coming round and uh, and it, it it just struck me watching that it was like, oh yeah, she's sort of excited that the post is arriving. That's something to do in her day. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, that's yeah. a very different life, isn't it? But how many emails do you get a day? Yeah, like, it's the same.
0: Principle, isn't it? You know, you you have to deal with this stuff. I tell you one question I have on the Christmas tip is he refers to it as a Christmas box, and I've heard mm. that before. What's the box? <laughs> What's the box? There's a box involved. It's a, it's a, a coin, or you know, it's a bit of money. It's not a box. Mm. I wonder what the origin of that is. I did look it up, and I couldn't find anything. If anyone knows, tell us yeah. why is it a Christmas Old box? people? Please tell us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the Christmas box? Okay, so before we talk about the postman himself. I just want to go back for a bit of um, in-depth scrutiny on the table. What Did you Ooh. notice what is on the table in front of Rigsby as he sat there celebrating Christmas on his own? I don't, I don't think, think I did, no. So, firstly, he's got some shop-bought mince pies, which I think is a ruthless extravagance for Rigsby. <laughs> yeah, true. I'm saying this because when I was a kid, my mum used to make mince pies, and I remember buying some mince pies once as an adult and getting no end of grief for wasting money. <laughs> But here's the other thing She used to cook mince pies all year round I loved mince pies when I was a kid And I i was genuinely married Before I learned that mince pies were a Christmas thing <laughs> I just thought they were a thing That your mum made
1: with Rigsby, he he's no cook, is he? He's not cooking for himself. He's got no wife no, to do true. it for him.
0: So maybe he does rely on on the shop bought things. So he's pushed the boat out and he's gone out and bought some mince pies. There's also an unpulled cracker, which gets pulled later. Which gets pulled later. There's a bottle of Double Diamond beer. Do you know the <laughs> Double Diamond theme song. Go on. Double Diamond works wonders. Works wonders. Works wonders. Like that advert. I haven't googled it, but I bet that advert ceased being on the air before i was born but i know that because my dad used to sing it (laughs) and then there's another bottle and i gotta be honest it took me quite a bit of googling to find this because it's half uh, um it's half obscured it was a bottle of lysander medium cypress sherry oh jesus (laughs) i mean I i don't know much about sherry but i thought it was spanish it was from jerez like i didn 't know you could have Cypriot sherry no, no all the best stuff is from cyprus <laughs> but I bet that I bet that was oof, paint stripper yeah, I bet that's do you think that, that was the well known cheap one <laughs> See, yeah well whereas I thought I sort of pulled a face at the mince pies and thought, would Rigsby buy that the the Cypriot sherry, yes, Rigsby would buy that yes. <laughs> So nice detail there, but yes. So um, so the postman's arrived and he's hid mm. from him, but then he got he, he got caught out and the, the postman arrives. Who's the actor? He looked a bit familiar. The, the actor who plays this postie.
1: It's Larry Martin. He's been like in one episode of everything. You know, he's that kind of actor. Uh-huh. Uh, he's best probably best recognised. He's in Are You Being Served for quite a few episodes. He's he's oh, like the he's the maintenance man or something. You know, he's one of those guys walking uh, around okay. in a brown brown overcoat. General, uh, semi-regular in Are You Being Served. He also, just as yep. a sitcom thing, in, in some of the radio versions of Dad's Army, he plays Private Walker, the James Beck role, uh, after James Beck died. A, a sitcom connection there as well. But yeah, I mean, you look at his CV his, uh, yeah one episode of pretty much everything that's ever been known. Yeah.
0: Well, there's a, there's a good joust now between him and Riggs mm. because obviously he's there for his tip that's why he's he's come through the door rather than just leave the milk yeah. rigsby knows this and so rigsby's best form of defence is is attack he goes on the offensive and starts, starts complaining about, oh, he's not got his double cream and all, all this stuff, so he didn't have to cough up. Look,
2: I'm set up. sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to ask much from that. I thought it could depend on me double cream. Yeah, but it's the first time innit? I've never let you down before, have I? Eh? You've I've never let We've never had the right nook since you came back from the Costa Brava. <laughs> flashing your suntan, singing Viva España at six in the morning. <laughs> oh, God, I, I very nearly complained to the dead. He'll tell you that. Oh, I see, I see. I suppose you think milkman shouldn't go to the Costa Brava, eh? He yeah, shouldn't. it gives him ideas. Get an attack <laughs> of the man and start forgetting the double cream
1: Fair enough. We we'll want get you yeah. double cream at Christmas. That's when you order it, right? That's when you want it. An extravagance. He finally relents
0: and he gives him... He gives him a coin. Is it 10p? I think it might be 10p he gives you. <laughs> An it's old 10 big,
1: big old coin. We don't have any more. Yeah,
0: I think it might be. There's also a... There's also, I'll give you another tangent here. Did you hear him... Rigsby calls him a lotus eater. Yes. I didn't know what that meant specifically. <laughs> well... I I have looked into it, my friend. <laughs> so the Lotus Eaters. This is from Greek m- Greek mythology, actually in the Odyssey, which is it's the second mention we've had of the Odyssey recently. <laughs> Do you remember I asserted that that Dave Lister is actually Odysseus Yes. in our Red Dwarf episode? Yes. Well, anyway, this the, the Lotus Eaters were people who lived on an island and basically the only food source was the were these lotus flowers. And they are that's like a drug, they're a narcotic, and so it messed them up. And they were all, they they, they were sort of legendarily lazy, spaced out, stoners basically. And it's sort of come to mean, you know, seekers of pleasure, if you like.
1: Yeah. So we do we do have a nice little bit of sparring with the with the milkman, but then we have another
0: yeah. someone pop in the the post lady Gwen. Yeah, the character's called Gwen, but. Yeah. I, I was like, wh- who is this? <laughs> she's, she's basically, I'm going to use the language of the time. She's the post girl. Yeah. Like I know she's a fully grown woman. I understand that. But she's young and she seems to be dressed as some sort of girl guide. <laughs> is this what postal workers looked like in the seventies? She's got a beret on, which is like, she's from the Royal Corps of knee length skirts or something. <laughs> but she, she's got this beret with a cat badge. And she's got a, a, a GPO badge on her lapel, which is, I looked this up, it's a postman's security badge. And apparently, like, back in the day, pre-privatization, all these state employees had to have this, you know, I suppose like a policeman's number, isn't it? A policeman's badge. Mm. So I, I, that, that really struck me as odd. And I was like, "Well, what is this character?" But basically, she's just the postman. Yeah, and I assume that is the uniform. That's not something you're going to make up. You just no, go and course. get a uniform, don't you? It's a contemporary set. But it was really jarring to me. Not, and, and again, it's not criticism of the show. Posties in the seventies look very different. <laughs> Well,
1: I think it might be post-women uh, in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think if yeah. you saw Postman, it's just like, yeah, flat shoes and black suit trousers and all that. But yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, we've got women now. We have to put them in a little beret and a skirt, I guess. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, so playing the post-woman here, it's Helen Fraser. Mm-hmm. Again, someone who's been around, uh, you know, all sorts of sitcoms. She's in, she's in Billy Liar, you know, the, the film, Billy oh, okay. Liar, yeah. the film version of it. That's what kind of what she was best known for. Uh, as a young actor uh, with Tom Courtney, and then she's in the Royal Family in one episode of the Royal Family where Dave, his parents come round.
0: Oh yeah, I remember that. And episode. they're
1: played by Helen Fraser and Tom Courtney. Well, I never. Uh, yeah, just one episode, I believe. Uh, but she's best known because okay. she was in Bad Girls as a regular uh, in that for a long many years. So um, that's what she's. That's what people might recognise her from.
0: So she's very obviously flirting with Rigsby, which a couple of things. Why? Yeah, why? <laughs> but then, but then, secondly, he's completely oblivious to it. And I think it, he's oblivious because he's being very defensive because he's not got any Christmas cards. Like, he's not received any Christmas cards. And she's got this one for him. Uh, yeah. but, but he's like being all defensive about not having all these cards. And he's pretending he's, you know. He's hidden them or whatever.
2: I simply had to pop in with this. I think it's a Christmas card. Oh, what's so unusual about that? After all, it is Christmas. Yes, but... Yes, I'll put it with all the others that have deluged upon me this festive season. Okay. <laughs> there aren't any cards, are there? You see, I pass this house every day. I couldn't help noticing. I've seen your face pressed up against the window and I longed to bring you a card. That's why I was so delighted when that one turned up. Have you been drinking? Oh. No. <laughs> sure.
0: He's he. Why is he so oblivious to the fact she's clearly being very flirtatious? <laughs> Maybe he can't believe it either. <laughs> yeah, just, he just, just doesn't compute. She's after she's after a, a Christmas box. <laughs> yeah, he offers her a drink, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And she says, "Oh no, I don't drink. I don't drink, Mister Rigsby. Not when I'm riding my bicycle." Oh well, it is Boxing Day. I thought you might have had the hot stirrup cup. <laughs> no. That was one of those jokes that didn't land for me in the sense that I didn't understand what it meant, but it made me laugh just because of the way Leonard Rossiter delivered it. (laughs) It had had the perfect tempo and delivery of a joke, even though I didn't get the joke. (laughs) Well, Leonard Rossiter,
1: I mean, obviously we talked about this when we did Rising Damp in more detail, but his energy as as Rigsby is just fantastic. He's amazing. He's so jittery all the time and... The tone of jitteriness changes. So when he starts later on, when he's trying to, you know, seduce someone or he thinks he's going to yeah. get his end away or whatever, like, the, he's still jittery and kind of nervy and all that, but in a different yeah. level. Yeah.
0: It's sort of moving up and he's down. He's brilliant. He, I mean, yeah. you know, again, uh, breaking news Leonard Rossiter is good. Shock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he is brilliant, yeah.
1: Leonard Rossiter is always very solid, whatever you see him in, but I feel like Rigsby was. The perfect fit for him, and it's yeah. difficult to imagine anyone else doing yeah. it. I've seen occasionally clips of people doing a bit of Rigsby, you know, an impressionist, or you know, it's like someone mm. doing a stage play or something like that. But it's like yeah. you're just doing your best version of Leonard Roster.
0: It's a caricature, isn't it?
1: And it's not like, oh well, I'm going to do this character in a different way. You
0: not know, like this is the way to do it. <laughs> this is yeah.
1: this is the there way. Isn't,
0: well, there isn't a better way to do it. That's the point, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it. exactly. Do you know what a hot stirrup cup is? No, go on. <laughs> tell it's us a drink. It's a cocktail. <laughs> it's a. It's like a like a hot toddy sort of thing. It's whiskey yeah. and cointreau, but it's you know you'd have it hot, Christmassy type drink. I didn't know that, but it still made me laugh. We do get a little bit of exposition here now. He tell he tells Gwen that he should be at his brothers, but they've basically fallen out, and that all of his tenants are away, so he's home alone. Mm-hmm. And now Gwen puts her hand on his leg. Oh yeah. And he the penny drops. The penny oh. drops for Rigsby. <laughs> But he completely blows it by coming on too strong. it <laughs> to, like physically manoeuvres her under the mistletoe, and she essentially runs away. <laughs> <laughs> Did
1: you notice, by the way, a little technical side here? They managed to get the shadow of the mistletoe on their faces. I I'm pretty sure that wasn't deliberate. Uh, I think I was I just sli- like slightly sloppy lighting at the, the, the yeah, very much a mistletoe shadow on the, on both of
0: their faces. I didn't notice that. No. 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 So she runs away, she's left him with this card. He opens it up and he's trying to read it. And he says, I can't read He's trying to get his glasses. He can't read it. And the punchline is.
2: (laughs) Solitary, miserable card. All the best, Rigsby. Happy Christmas. And Oh, God, my writing's getting worse than ever.
0: he sent the card to
1: himself I think that's quite a subtle way of uh, delivering that, that joke because he could yeah it could yeah. easily have been a bit more obvious so cut two Alan and Brenda turn up and they have come back to have because they know everyone's gone away for Christmas so they'll have the place be themselves. away as brothers yes. Yeah. And the, so these are the two tenants who have been um, having a bit of a dalliance with, the, with each other, but obviously having to hide it from Rigsby as he wouldn't approve of such things.
0: So it sounds like they've just come from Alan's parents' house, mm. because Brenda's didn't get on with Alan's mum. And there's a nice line here.
2: Your mother doesn't like me, does she? She's just got to get used to you, that's all. You know what mothers are like. Yeah, I know what your mother's like. She spoils you. I
0: wouldn't say that.
2: Why does she blow on your potatoes?
0: Again, a, a beautiful double entendre. Yes, uh, again, just delivered, filthy, delivered perfectly. But... Like written down, I just read that from my notes. And written down, it's not that funny. But <laughs> yeah, very good, very well delivered. So our whole thing with Alan is he's you know lovelorn but a bit useless
1: and uh, naive. Yeah,
0: I have a problem with this then because I agree that was always Alan's. Like he was sort of frustrated, but it it feels like oh, he's got a girlfriend now. That's not right. You see, Gareth, it's the seventies. You have a girlfriend in sitcoms,
1: but they don't let you do anything. That's oh, how it you. works. They don't... they don't let you.
0: They
1: <laughs> should let you do out. Yeah. Uh, but it's Christmas, <laughs> so obviously you should be able to get over the top at least.
0: Yeah. Well, well, Alan wants to get jiggy, but, but basically Brenda's bloody freezing because the house is freezing because it's winter and Rigsby's got no insulation. Yeah. So Alan decides he's going to go and borrow Rigsby's fire. Mm-hmm. See, it's a sign of middle age that I, I can't have sex in an active draft anymore. <laughs> you have to put a jumper on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These are young people, Gareth. They, they, they can do exactly, that's what I mean. Brenda's too young to be worrying about that. Caution well, she, to the wind. Well, it's because he, he wants her
1: to slip into a little negligee. And, uh, a negligee. Yes, <laughs> it's going to be freezing. So, yeah. Alan goes downstairs and of course, bumps into Rigsby, who he thought wasn't going to be there. So we get a bit of uh, back and forth here, and the one thing we get is that Rigsby bathes every Friday whether he needs it or not.
0: (laughs) Here's a question for you. Would you eat a sandwich that Rigsby had made for you? (laughs) See, all I can think of is... uh... (laughs) Albert Steptoe, like, make, <laughs> dropping his fag ash in a cheese sandwich. Yeah, exactly. That's what Harold. I mean. Albert Steptoe sandwich, I would not eat. I don't think yeah. I would eat a Rigsby sandwich either. What about Grandad off of All The Fools And Horses? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> the thing
1: is, if you wear fingerless gloves all the time, who knows what's getting those <laughs> <things>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So yeah, Rigsby's uh, still defensive. Christmas is a big fiddle, I don't believe in it. But they do pull the cracker, mm-hmm. and I like this as a nice moment. Alan wins the cracker, and Rigsby just snatches the thing off him. <laughs> I've bloody paid for it.
1: <laughs> I was wondering about that, you know. I was I was thinking, have they rigged this up so they know which way it's going to go? Or are they going to pull the cracker? If Rigsby it wins it, he goes, yeah, I see, I won. And then if
0: Alan wins, he just goes... Um, I'm having that. <laughs> yeah. I did wonder about that actually. So, Alan, who's there, who's, who's actually down there to essentially Nick Rigsby's Rigby's fire, has to mm-hmm. think fast yeah. and says he's got a present for Rigsby and it's the bath salts that he'd got for Brenda. And that, that hence the bathing conversation, Rigsby thinks is mm-hmm. he's, he's trying to tell him something. What about the Martin Borman thing? <laughs> <laughs> so. For listeners, if you haven't watched, there's a, there's, a, there's just a really odd line in here where Rigsby says, oh, you know, they'll write on the front gate, Martin Bormann lives here. <laughs> I, I I I didn't really get that. Martin Bormann was Hitler's private secretary. Yeah, he's
1: a high-ranking Nazi, but was he yeah. renowned for being a, a bad neighbour?
0: <laughs> oh, I mean, apart from I mean, the Nazi would, thing. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a great start, is it? But... That doesn't mean he's playing music loud. I mean, Hitler's private secretary—that's like uh, that's like Bernard from Yes Minister, but for actual <laughs> Hitler.
1: Well, I think that uh, yeah, the, the whole thing that certainly in his later years, Martin Bormann controlled who got to Hitler, didn't he? he was got, who got the yeah. access, and so he was a, yeah. a, a, a became a great powerful fl- figure in the whole. Well, game. Alan, I've,
0: I've actually googled it, and I, I've got more insight here. So, Ooh. in 1973, just before this was filmed. They found Martin Bormann's remains in Berlin, and they identified him with like dental records, and he'd got a broken collarbone apparently. So they 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 found his body.
1: But was there an idea that he'd fled and he'd, he was living somewhere in Leeds under an assumed name? Is that the idea that he
0: might have been there? Uh... <laughs> well, possibly. They never they obviously never found his body until then. But I, I I don't know. So is, are we saying that Rigsby is d- d- difficult to identify? We need, we need dental records. I, I don't. I still don't get it. Like I understand why it was a more topical reference then, but I still don't really understand the reference.
1: Well, that's what I mean. If if maybe if the the kind of the idea was that Martin Bormann was one of those Nazis who had managed to flee and had hidden away somewhere yeah. under an assumed identity. Maybe. We're all looking for him. Maybe that old, miserable git who lives up there is is mine. Maybe.
0: Seems an odd thing to say, you know, 18 months after they actually found his body.
1: (laughs) Topical gags.
0: (laughs) Anyway, back to our episode. And we've got these two grumbling at each other. And Brenda walks in. Uh, Yes, uh, much to her surprise that uh,
1: Rigsby is there at all. But of course, Rigsby assumes that she's come looking for him in her
0: negligee. Do you want to describe the flimsy negligee? uh 70s nylon pink. i mean there's a lot there's a lot of negligee like it's not revealing at all she's not an unattractive woman there's nothing wrong with it but it is not you know it's not sexy particularly it's 70s negligee not 80s negligee what we saw in the
1: likes yeah. of a uh, up the elephant or in a million was a lot more yeah, revealing yeah. Of that. just seven years later
0: but I, there's quite, a, it's quite a nice bit of comic, I suppose it's physical comedy, when she walks in and just immediately goes, ah, and turns <laughs> around, like, she sees Rigsby and just legs it. It's good, it's good stuff. It's good, uh, business. Rigsby assumes Brenda has come to,
1: um, seduce him on mm. Christmas, uh, yeah. Wh- why, why, else would she be there? why would he think that? I don't know. But, uh, he also, she promised him well, a because Christmas. she just walked kiss. into his room in a negligee. <laughs> yeah. But in July, she promised him a kiss at Christmas. So he's, he's ready for that.
0: <laughs> and like an elephant, Rigsby never forgets.
1: And he goes up excited. By the time he gets there, she's changed into uh, streetwear again. And yeah. that, doesn't, that doesn't put him off, though. Uh, so, yeah, we get, again, we get another little scene there between them.
0: Can, can I just, just before that, before he goes upstairs, Alan's trying to discourage him, and there's a great line from Rigsby.
2: This is different, you see. This is Christmas. It's a time when a woman needs, them, and when they when they start getting emotional, they start loading their defences. Now, oh, it is just like VJ night all over again. Uh, VJ night, yeah. Well, Japan
1: wasn't the only one that said under that night, was I mean. <laughs> it? <laughs> it's just <laughs> such a such an opportunist. <laughs>
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But also, you know, let's, he he's he's reliving the glory days there. Thirty years since VJ day. This is thirty
0: years, and that's his anecdote. That's yeah. his last time he uh, yeah, he had a good night. So, so yeah, he, he goes upstairs. He's coming onto it. He gets rejected. He gets bath salts. Is what yes, he gets, salts, which is yes. not what he was went up there for. And um, unfortunately for old Vienna, he kicks the cat in frustration as he leaves. Yes,
1: <laughs> classic bad guy maneuver: kick the cat. Yeah, yeah. But then we get Philip
0: turning up. Yeah, so we cut back down to Rigsby's room. Alan's in there blowing up balloons, which is the business he's doing. <laughs> um, and yeah, Philip arrives, which is good, because Don, w- Don great, and Philip's-, mm. Philip's a good present. I was getting a bit worried we weren't going to see him. Philip, as with Alan, has
1: turned up thinking the house is going to be empty, and he can have it to himself with his lady friend, Lucy, who he has brought back with him. But we don't see her. We haven't seen her yet. But the idea is not that, oh, yeah, she's coming into our room and we're going to shack up. He
0: has promised her the spare room. Yeah. that We've got the whole house to ourselves. Why don't you come back and you can have the spare room? What's going on? Gareth it's the 70s okay you have
1: to you have to take it gently you see and uh, so the idea is he, this is a lady he's trying to get on with and if she's living in the house that's going to make that all a lot easier but also it means yeah. if you invite her around it's like don't worry there's a spare room everything no pressure.
0: Okay. Yeah so Alan reveals to Philip that Rigsby is indeed home. Philip's mortified. He's not really sure what he's going to do now. Mm. But he, but he does think, well, I'll just ask him nicely. You know, I brought him a Christmas present and he's got this, he reveals this sort of bottle uh, of liquid, which is wine from my country. The old <laughs> jungle juice, as Alan puts it. Yes.
1: And as, yes. As far as we're aware, Philip is a prince of some African
0: tribe of non-specific <laughs>
1: um, nature.
0: We, we debated this on our podcast last time, you know, whether or not that's true, but As far as Rigsby's concerned, it's true. And as far as the audience is concerned, it's true. Yes, regardless of what may be revealed at some other point. There's a a good insult here, by the way. When they're talking about Rigsby, Alan says Rigsby has no luck with women. If he played blind man's buff in a harem, he'd end up with a eunuch. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. So, the the setup is this. Philip has got a girl on her way, Lucy. Mm-hmm. He's bought the bottle of jungle juice as a mm-hmm. Christmas present for Rigsby that he hopes will mollify him. So, he goes upstairs, finds Rigsby on the stairs, and uh, he tells him he's left a present for him downstairs. Mm. In the meantime, Philip's girlfriend, Lucy, arrives. <gasps> but she's black. <laughs> oh, my God, Alan. she's black. She's black. <laughs> so, this is really weird to me because Alan is like open mouth oh my god she's black can't believe it but like he's met Philip right <laughs> <laughs> well, okay look right so this is a, even in we watched Game On recently and
1: even in an episode of that which was from 95 the Mandy character brings a, a black boyfriend home and
0: yeah.
1: uh, Matt says but he's black and she goes oh my god I hadn't noticed like sarcastically <laughs> yeah. and like nothing comes of it but it's noted that he's black and, she, and, he, and he's like oh you're going out with a black guy now, that's yeah. 1995. That seemed weird to me, watching that. In the 70s, I, I would believe in a standard white person sitcom, someone comes home with a black girlfriend, they go, oh my God, she's black. I I get I believe that. However, because Philip is black, him taking up with a black girlfriend feels like that wouldn't be even mentioned, would it? Um, uh, yeah. I, I
0: feel like Alan's reaction is disproportionate. I, I feel, it's like he's shocked. That yeah. Philip's girlfriend is black, like and that doesn't seem shocking to me. Yeah, I don't know. It just it doesn't quite tally, does it? Anyway, so there's, there's a little bit of awkwardness when he says, "Oh, I didn't, I, I didn't realize you were going to be um uh, uh, so early." <laughs> you know, and she's like Philip. She's got a cut glass accent. She says she's from Northampton. What are you doing?
2: Uh, I'm, uh, I'm blowing up balloons. I'm not very good at it, really. I keep getting a mouthful of carbon dioxide. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and why do you do
2: it? No, I don't know. I, I... Oh well, it, it, it is, in actual fact, uh, one of our customs. Uh, I don't suppose you get this sort of thing in Africa. Oh, I wouldn't know. I come from Northampton. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alan bolts because that's what he always does when he's uh, under pressure. And Rigsby arrives. Yes. And here is the absolute comic tour de force of the episode. Because <laughs> Rigsby thinks that this African princess is the <laughs> gift that Philip is giving him. Yes. yes. My God. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bit of a big present what a a, a slave (laughs) a human being (laughs) it's too much isn't it it's too much what do you get them next year what do you get for the man who wears everything
1: (laughs) a sex slave
0: it's your classic bath salts sex slave mix-up story as old as time alan (laughs) yeah yeah and rigsby rigsby's trying to talk to her and he's sort of you know nervously racist. He's showing her how water comes out the taps and all that sort of thing.
2: I think you'll find things pretty easy around here. Will I? <laughs> yes, there's no walking for miles with a pot on your head. You? That's rubbish.
1: <laughs> nervously racist is a good way of putting it. I, I, my note was wow, they're really ramping up the old racism here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean okay look we discussed uh, at length when we did Rising Down in terms of the racism that's in it and how it's worked and how it feels odd 50 years later
0: no but I'm quite comfortable laughing at this I'm quite comfortable laughing at this because we are laughing at Rigsby he's a fool Mm. she's got all the power in that room yeah, as yeah. Philip always has all the power in their interactions. So I'm comfortable laughing at this silly racist old fool. I don't think... You wouldn't make this now. You wouldn't put this on telly yeah. now as it is. But it, it's all right. It's It doesn't feel like watching Alf Garnett. you get uncomfortable. It doesn't feel like that to me.
1: Yeah, I think it definitely sort of slips into that slightly. Just because, yeah, we, are, we, we all recognise that Rigsby is the fool. But he sort of says and does quite racist things and... Yeah. There's very little comeuppance in terms of that. So I think it's, it just feels slightly uncomfortable. But true, maybe if I was a black person who'd grown up in the 70s, I would feel slightly harder about it. But
0: uh, but yeah, basically... We, I grew up in the 70s. I think we're qualified to talk about racism in the 70s. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I grew up in, a, in an area of 99% white people. Yeah. I know, okay, but... no, no, listen, I, I'm joking. I agree. I think we, we're yeah. obviously coming to this from uh, our perspective and our perspective alone.
1: Certainly, we, we're having some... Full with race here, uh, but Rigsby is the fool, so I think largely it's okay. Yeah. So the, the woman here who's playing Lucy is Elizabeth Adair, and she's not like a super famous actor or anything. She's actually retired quite a long time ago, and she's um, a psychiatrist or a teacher or something now. She's sort of totally changed careers, but she was for a sort of in her younger days she was a you know an actor of some repute. But here's the interesting thing: she appeared in a play called The Banana Box. Oh. Which you will recall from our episode on Rising Damp is the play with, yeah. that Rising Damp is uh, sourced from.
0: So who did she play?
1: Well, a little I'll, I'll, for those, just in case you haven't listened to our previous episode, here's a quick wrap-up. Eric Chappell was a playwright. He wrote a play called The Banana Box, which had a sort of a limited run, and someone saw it and went, this is actually quite a good fodder for a sitcom, why don't you write that? And he did, and it's called Rising Damp. So we have a lot of repeated characters, and Leonard Roster played... Rigsby in that play although the character was called Rooksby at the time Francis de la Tour was in it as well and then Don Warrington was in uh, a play so the play kind of went through a couple of different iterations but they did a small tour and and, and so we have most of the cast there Elizabeth Adair was in that run and she played The character who is in the play who doesn't make it into the sitcom. There's one Uh... character who doesn't make that cut. And basically what happens in the play, as far as I can tell, obviously I haven't read it or seen it, but I've sort of read a bit of a synopsis of it, that what happens in this episode is pretty much what's going on. Philip brings this woman back to go, oh, look, we've got a spare room. I'll, I'll talk to the landlord. We'll work it out. Because he's trying to get off with her. And in the play, basically what happens is... She ends up with Alan and they go off together. Uh, although he's not called Alan in the play, but uh, not worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> the Alan character. And that's because in the play, the, the Philip character is revealed to not be an African Prince Orb, is actually from Croydon, and it kind of ruins his reputation. And so everyone else kind of like thinks he's a loser. Alan and yeah. uh, Lucy, they're just like, ugh, pathetic. And it's just, le- he's just left with the Rigsby character and. He is like, oh, look, you're you are an African prince. Oh, that's comforting
0: to me. Yeah, I'm because he likes that. to maintain the fiction. Yes,
1: yes. So I think um, some somewhat of the plot here is taken from that. And having not read the play directly, I don't know how many, how much in terms of sort of specific set pieces or lines. But yes, I suspect there is um, a lot of connections here. And so they brought in Elizabeth Adair to play this character just in this one episode. Elizabeth Adair is from Newcastle. And it just oh, stuck really? out to me because,
0: yeah, you can tell by the accent, right? Hang on a minute, don't I remember Don Warrington was a Geordie as well?
1: Exactly, because I made that same joke when we talked about that. Like, yes why has he got such a cut glass accent when he's from Newcastle? Yeah. yeah, and the interesting thing is where the play when they did the play, they ran, they did a few shows here and there, but one of them was in Newcastle. And that was where someone saw it, Uh, a producer from ITV saw it and sort of suggested it could be a sitcom. So there's a lot of Newcastle connections to this. But it wasn't like, the tour didn't start in Newcastle, so they weren't like based there and thought, oh, we'll get local actors. I -hmm. think it's just coincidence.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Well, okay, let's go back to the scene. And the plot all fairly unravels quite quickly. And the the episode finishes, you know, we get all the callbacks and all the edges tied together. Mm. The others arrive and the plot unravels that, She's not the gift. The bottle of of wine is the gift. Mm. She, he's already promised her a room, so she, they get their own way that she can have the spare room. Rigsby drinks some of the jungle juice, and there's a, there's a great bit of business from uh, Leonard Rossiter playing, you know, man drinking heinous alcohol. (laughs) yes
1: and it is it is wrapped up very quickly, isn't it? It feels a bit too quick,
0: yeah, it's like they're running out of time because we also yeah. then get like immediately we get Gwen, who comes in the, you remember the postie from earlier? She's no yeah. longer in uniform, and she's basically saying, "Oh, I'm out of uniform now, Mr. Rigsby, you know I, I'm here I am, and she's all flirtatious again. She's under the mistletoe already mm-hmm. and then the milkman appears, remember him, <laughs> and he jumps in and kisses the post lady, and Rigsby misses out again and scene, yes. Yeah, it feels very rushed and slightly messy. The
1: ending, and yeah. that might just be a, the nature of writing. It's like, oh, I've set all this stuff up, and now it's sort of all a bit tight, trying to get it into half an hour. Well, not even half an hour. It's ITV, twenty-four minutes. So, yeah, yeah perhaps it's just you overwrite something. But given how much setup we have about how many gags we get out of him thinking, oh, she's the present when it he realizes that it's not, it's just like he's just like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, there's no kind of comic mis. Apprehension about it, no confusion. He doesn't have to suddenly pretend that that's not what he thought at all. Uh, you know, it, it's just very rapid. And uh, and even with the with the post lady, could, could, yeah. could we have let Rigsby had a kiss at Christmas? Would that have been so bad? Could we have had a happy Christmas?
0: <laughs> no, <That'd be> silly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, as we talked about earlier,
0: it's a miserable,
1: grey Christmas for Rigsby. And that is uh, at odds with the, what I would expect from a sitcom kind of Christmas thing. Because even in something like Time, Gentleman, Please. Remember we looked at the Christmas mm. special of Time, Gentleman, Please. Yeah. And there's a sort of slightly cynical edge to that because, you know, everyone ends up at the pub. So they're all together in this kind of family unit, yeah. uh, such as it is. But, you know, the very ending is is the pub landlord telling them all to shut up and enjoy Christmas while he serves the as <laughs> yeah, yeah, so They're yeah. all arguing. <laughs> So, kind of, even that has this slightly cynical, you know, mis- dysfunctional family kind of vibe to it. But this is yeah. just straight up. Christmas is just a crap day, like every other day in my crap
0: life <laughs> for Rigsby. <laughs> it's pretty bleak, yeah. isn't it? But you're focusing on Rigsby. All, all the others get what they want. <laughs> They're all having a good. They've all had a good day. <laughs> <laughs> and that's rising damp, right? That's rising damp, right there. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty grim day for. Uh, for, for Rigsby, it's a grim Christmas. What's your, what's your grimmest Christmas memory? Oh, God. Sitting in my bedsit in Brighton.
1: <laughs> All alone. Hoping that a shop might be open so I could buy some cheese.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. I, my grimmest Christmas was, uh, I worked, when I was a, a student, I worked in Butlins in the oh, summer. yeah. I did three summers working at Butlins and Skegness. I had a great I time. But what, one year, <laughs> that's our phrase, not yours. <laughs> one year, I just, I signed up to go for Christmas. And it was like, I, I, probably like 10 days from, I don't know, the day before Christmas Eve to the second or third of January, something like that. And you worked every day. There was no sort of shift system. It was like, you're there every day, you're going to work. And I was on the daytime shift. So I was working like nine till six, whereas all my friends were doing the evening shift, the sort of, three till midnight shift so i would get drunk with them sleep for three hours and be sat working in a shop at butlins <laughs> just feeling terrible cold with all these kids all happy saying look what i got for christmas what did father christmas bring you this this miserable life is what father christmas brought me it's just the same as every other day except everyone's got their hand out Ugh. Well, uh, to our listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, um, upbeat, festive episode. And uh, you, you can find us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram, at BritComPod. Or if you can look on Facebook, just put British Sitcom History Podcast into the search bar, you'll find us. On YouTube, we have all of our episodes and some extra bonus things on there as well. Please go and find us on YouTube, British Sitcom History Podcast. And of course, tell your friends. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. And thanks for joining us this year, and we will see you with our new series soon.
1: Bye. Bye.